Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, Barry here. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to let you know that Matt and Lane Moore, who has been on the podcast before, she's a friend of the pod, she's a comedian, she's great, and uh, Matt and Lane are going to be answering all of your questions about relationships and dating and love. But here's the thing, we are recording this for our Valentine's Day episode, but it is actually being recorded today on Tuesday, January 29th. So please, if you're listening to this in the morning and you haven't submitted any of your questions that you need advice about, please, please, please do that. You can email melissa at pineapple.fm. That's our intern, Melissa, at pineapple, like the fruit, dot FM, like the radio. Please, you can email her or you can DM me on Instagram. I'm at Finkleberry Pie. And we can't wait to answer all of your questions and solve all of your problems and have a lot of fun doing it. So please email us and let's get into the show. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellasai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. You ready to get this bread? <laughs> always. <laughs> That's what the teens say. Is it? When they wake up, they're like, ready, ready to get this bread. Wow. Okay, are you ready to spend all of your money extremely irresponsibly? Every day. Then let's get into this episode. We are starting things off with worst things first, as always. You know the segment. It's where I scream about the worst news of the week. After that, we are diving deep into my bank account and all of the ways that my habits hurt her. Why? Because we've got Gabby Dunn as our guest complainer today. She is a writer, actor, journalist, comedian, LGBTQ activist, and podcaster, and her new book is called Bad With Money, which I wish I didn't relate to so wholeheartedly. So we've got all of that and more coming up. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's get out our checkbooks and start the show. All right, worst things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First, a new study published in the Irish Medical Journal reports, uh, this is pretty unfortunate news. Um, It turns out that injecting yourself with your own semen probably isn't the best way to relieve back pain. I know you've been wondering this. That's what I've been doing for all of my back problems. (laughs) I thought it was step working. Step one, heating pad. Step two, 
get that hypodermic needle out and shoot a fat load into your back. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm so sorry, everybody. It's time to it's time to pack it all up. That is, if you believe the Irish Medical Journal, which is actually just what's printed on the back of a beer bottle label. <laughs> wow, low blow. <laughs> low blow. <laughs> Loving it. I was trying to find a way to say, like, you know, on some like like Monopoly, the Monopoly game at McDonald's where it like uh-huh. folds out where mm. it's there's like a little sticky thing that you unstick and then it's like a little pamphlet. Mm-hmm. That's what the Irish medical journalists got it. But it's on like a, uh, yeah, on like a glass bottle of Guinness. Anyway, apparently there was this 33 year old man who showed up at a hospital complaining of severe back pain and a doctor, I guess, saw that his arm was also swollen and inflamed. And they were like, what happened here? And the patient was like, "Um, oh, yeah, I've been intravenously, 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 more like it, with a needle. into his veins, injected his own semen as an innovative method to treat back pain, independent of any medical advice. (laughs) (laughs) No shit. I just like, why? Maybe he thought it would like lubricate, but the lube is what lubricates. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If you know what semen is for. (laughs) I feel like the, the... Not that I'm trying to, like, get inside this person's head and rationalize it, but that's what I am going to do. I feel like you hear about, like, bull semen having, like, medical benefit. Like, Do we? I, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever actually heard it, but it sounds true. Sure. So I think he was like, what am I going to go buy name brand bull semen <laughs> when I can just use the generic stuff I have right here in my own backyard? He's probably also heard that like placenta is a big thing. And I feel like semen is just the placenta of the dick. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Um, um, anyway, so the doctors treated the guy because he had... Um, they treated him with antimicrobial therapy? I don't even know. His back pain went away. He discharged himself <laughs> oh, without having the infected area drained. Ew! Ew. <laughs> I hate that. Um, I do love, though, that the study, which they called seemingly harmless back pain. Wow. An unusual presentation of a subcutaneous abscess. <laughs> concluded that medical experimentation is dangerous and it's risky for untrained individuals to inject themselves with substances not intended for intravenous use. I feel like a doctor shouldn't have to tell you that. And if they do, you're probably beyond reaching. (laughs) Your time is limited. Yeah, like, I just don't, I don't like the idea that he injected himself with his own semen, and then his arm got, like, swollen and inflamed. Probably because there's a baby growing in it. I was going to say, that's what happens to women. This has been Science with Matt. Next! Police in Galveston, Texas, which is the Florida of Texas cities, if we have not said that before. Uh, It's where Miss Tina Knowles is from. It is home to Miss Tina Knowles and Bobby Durst. No. Police in Galveston have captured a pair of emus that had been on the lam for a day after escaping from their owner's backyard. Illegal emus. <gasps> Apparently, these emus are not permitted in Galveston. And this guy's mom was technically the owner of them. And she lived in, like, Houston proper. And then she died. And so he took the emus, but then they fucking escaped. And police found them near an elementary school. Oh, no. (laughs) Which is, this is, it could have been the start of an an amazing story. (laughs) Anyway, police captured the birds, but uh, now the owner didn't realize that he couldn't have them in Galveston. So now they're homeless. Thanks a lot. This is what happens. Emus just want to get out and learn at an elementary school. And now look. Maybe try flying, you dumb fucks. I don't know whose side I'm on. <laughs> I don't know either. I keep going back and forth. Anyway, shout out to these emus. Next! In a recent Rolling Stone interview, um, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, who uh, most recently came out as having mailed parts of his beard to Azealia Banks so that she could create an amulet for him. Love it. 
he was asked in a recent this recent Rolling Stone interview what was his most memorable encounter with Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. The answer was that Mark Zuckerberg once served Jack Dorsey a goat that he personally killed with a stun gun. What? I don't think that's how you're supposed to kill animals you eat. <laughs> I guess he initially referred to it as a laser gun. <laughs> 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 this is where Why like the mask so of the much money. Yeah, like the mask of the Illuminati gets like lifted a little bit, yeah. and then they realize like, oh, sh- we're not supposed to say this stuff out <laughs> loud to Rolling Stone. <laughs> we need to rein it in. I mean, stun gun, not laser gun. <laughs> uh, he said this like it's normal. He was like, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg was like doing a year where he only ate animals that he killed himself, which like. I I understand, but also when you say it, it sounds insane. Yeah. You raise animals just to kill? What are you, a farmer? <laughs> uh, that's that whole story. <laughs> and finally, a man in Florida, only in Florida, is accusing a KFC worker of hitting him in the face with a box of chicken. You should be so lucky. Where? What else is she going to hit you with? According to a police report, this man got upset because he uh, was in the drive-thru at KFC. Uh, and a KFC employee he could see who was preparing his food was not wearing gloves. And so the driver got upset, took out his phone, started recording, and they, like, exchanged words. And then the KFC employee noticed that he was recording. And uh, according to the story, the employee is seen throwing the food out of the drive through window, hitting the man in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just how they give out food at KFC at yeah, this point. Yeah, that's just a regular experience. Yeah. What do you expect? A fucking tablecloth? No, here's your goddamn chicken. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bullway. Um, the man is quoted as saying, she didn't throw it. She actually swung it. <laughs> <laughs> she actually swung it and hit me in the face with it, basically. It wasn't a throw. It was a backhand pow. <laughs> It hit me in the mouth and damaged my tooth, and my glasses fell off. My tooth was bleeding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what to say. (sighs) And on that note, that is Worst Things First. Next, we are diving deep into all of the reasons my accountant yells at me pretty regularly. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. dive. All right, so in honor of today's guest, Gabby Dunn, whose new book, Bad With Money, we talk about later in the show, I figured it would be a great idea to complain about budgeting. Because, bitch, ain't nobody got time for budgeting, including the government. Am I right? Boom, political. Anyway, budgeting sucks, and I won't listen to it, and I won't respond to it. So let's get into it. The worst things about budgeting and money. First of all, it's not my fault that the things I like cost money. Okay, I didn't make that shit up. When I go to a restaurant and I go to pay, and then my bank sends me a text message that's like, you you don't have any funds in your account. That's between you and the restaurant now. (laughs) That food's been ate, okay? (laughs) There's no, you're not getting it back, bitch. Has anybody, I remember, I thought the biggest thing that I would have to face one day is being unable to, like, what if I couldn't pay for a meal, but I ate there, and then they would make me wash the dishes. (laughs) I feel like that happens in, like, every TV show. Also, you're supposed to budget, like, every month? That's absurd. Months are very different. January is very different from April. Like, in the winter months, I have to pay for so many different things. Firewood, gas for our lamps, the salt stump where we store all of our preserved meats that we caught during hunting season. Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved it that they just had like a tree stump that they put their meats in. That's what you had to do. You salt it, you get it nice and salty, dry it out, and then store it in a tree stump. 
didn't have a fridge. That was like not that long ago. And they, instead of fridges, they just said, hey, here's a fucking tree stump that we're going <laughs> to shove it into. I don't think I could budget in, in like, frontier times ways. Did they even have money? I mean, in that situation. They had their children. <laughs> right. Budgeting was like, we might have to, like, leave a child behind. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie's choice, am I right? Oh. I do feel like I'd be terrible at budgeting in, like, frontier times. Like, there's no way I could buy and plan food for a full season. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, I don't understand. You go to a market and you're like, okay, I'll have one, like, one satchel of wheat and corns. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be in the mood for on Wednesday. Right. I don't, I don't even really know what I'm doing for dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah, imagine planning for dinner in, like, April. That really is my true problem with budgeting, money, eating, everything. <laughs> it's just like, do I want this right now? Is there enough money to pay for it right now? Absolutely. We're doing this. Let's go in. And we, I just do that thing where I like cross my fingers and hope that when I swipe that card, it goes through. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm worried about you. My real dream is to like to be able to like leave the receipt that comes out uh, in the ATM and for the next person who comes to like be impressed. <laughs> like, whoa, who is this king who is just here before me? Also, things should not cost as much as things cost. You grow up basically like knowing like the cost of things on the McDonald's dollar menu and that's it. <laughs> and then you get older and you're like, wait, a duvet cover cost how much? I have to spend, like, thousands of dollars just to stay warm at night? That's ridiculous. Next! I'm 28 years old, and I still have no idea how a fucking cable bill works. Like, Verizon basically comes to my bank account once a month and just pillages whatever they want, and I have to accept it. What are all these goddamn fees, Verizon? I've had to call a cable company twice. I don't feel more deranged than when I'm talking to a cable person. Because they make you feel like a fucking idiot for being like my I don't you feel like an old like an old person being like, how do you get the mouse to move? <laughs> They're like, well, is the light blinking? Yeah, bitch. I know how the fucking internet is supposed to work. <laughs> Fix it. One time I called and the guy was like, I recognize your voice. And no. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> And then they sent a cable. He was like, we'll get someone out right away. And I think the person expected to, like, walk into some, like, fancy home. And he walked into my 300-square-foot studio. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, the TV's next to the toilet. <laughs> Please make it work. The second time I had to call Verizon um, because I, I I got set up with a cable package. And I was like, I'll splurge. I'll get the, I'll get the 100s through 1,000. And... Um, Somehow I got, like, the straight package that came with sports, but I didn't have, like, MSNBC, Logo, and Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, like, the night that RuPaul's Drag Race was on, and I, I realized I didn't have Logo, and I had to call Verizon, and the person didn't know what Logo was, which is the channel that RuPaul's Drag Race used to be on. And I was, I had to be like, I need all of the gay channels. <laughs> and I, need them, I need them right now. Verizon basically comes to my bank account once a month and just pillages whatever they want. And I have no choice but to obey so that the blinky box keeps giving me all the online that I want. I don't think I'm even getting all the online I want. <laughs> I paid extra. You know how when you sign up for internet, they no. like give you different speeds and no. you're like, I don't know what speed means. I don't know. I think it's if you do like a lot of uploading and downloading. Ah, yes. And um, yeah, so I got like medium speed and I don't. I think I'm getting low speed. I don't oh, think I'm boy. getting even medium. Ugh. I want my I want my online now. Also, being able to not buy new clothes is skinny privilege. Or at least like not yo-yo weight privilege. Sorry, my waistline fluctuates 10 to 12 inches every three months, so I can't have a consistent wardrobe, also, even though I wear the same thing. <laughs> also, all my pants end up splitting in the seams. Same. Yeah. I was just talking with someone about this. Yeah. I've blown out the seams of every pair of pants that I own. Yeah. Absolutely every pair. If they're good quality, you can patch them. Yeah. I know some people who are, who do like a no, like they're not going to buy any new clothes this year. Like, that was their resolution. 
and I just can't like out of necessity I can't do that I mean, I thrift. The truth is, I identify as Jane Lynch's character in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, where <laughs> I pretend to be an everyman, but actually I have three butlers who wipe my ass for me. But my one, like, very elitist opinion is that I not I don't I don't judge people who go to thrift stores. I'm just afraid of them. Okay. Because I don't like the idea of someone previously wearing what I'm wearing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Literally everything haunted. I'm wearing right now is thrifted. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know, like, logically it should not matter. Mm-hmm. But it does. I get that. I just think less of you because of it. Also, why don't they teach you how to invest money? What does investing mean? I don't know. I do think that like, the only things I actually know about investing, I learned from Monopoly. Do you ever feel like life sometimes, do you ever think about your bank account like your Monopoly bank account? Sometimes mm-hmm, I do mm-hmm. that. Where like, sometimes I got money in there and it's like, oh, this is like when I feel good in Monopoly. <laughs> But then I remember, like, you can lose Monopoly real bad. Real bad. (laughs) Yeah. Only one person wins and everybody else goes bankrupt. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think of that sometimes when I, like, spend too much and my bank account gets low. And I'm like, that's what you have to do in Monopoly sometimes. You invest in in property. (laughs) Are you investing in property or are you just getting a lot of meals? (laughs) It's just Uber. (laughs) It's money that I will not get back, unlike in Monopoly. I think I feel like I've finally come to uh, the realization that I either need to get hot enough to become a sugar baby <laughs> or rich enough to become a sugar daddy. Mm. I have to choose a lane and stick to it. And sadly, I think it's going to have to be a sugar baby <laughs> because I'm I'm closer to being hot than I am to being rich. <laughs> what a scale. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's not true. <laughs> Let's be. Those are my only real two options in life. That's everyone's only two options in life. My third option was to become one of those poor English like chimney sweep boys Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who pickpocket pedestrians on the cobblestone streets of London. But apparently, you need a master's degree to do that. So, (laughs) did you see that um, Oscar Mayer tweet? Oh yes. That was like, we're looking for a new driver for the Oscar Mayer mobile. Like, must have a college degree. So, so you already need a goddamn bachelor's degree in order to drive the fucking Wienermobile. Speaking of which, until I pay back my student loans, everything I do should be sponsored by the goddamn university I went to. Also, they recently just decided that they are not wanting to be accredited anymore. I feel like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. There's a 30 Rock joke where Liz Lemon... When she's applying for her apartment and interviewing with the co-op board, and they're like, why do you still have so many outstanding student loans? And she's like, they lost their accreditation, (laughs) and I didn't think I had to keep paying, (laughs) which I strongly identify with. (laughs) You want to get money from me every month? Buy me Burger King, bitch. It's your job to feed me and bathe me until I pay off all of these loans. I guess technically I owe the bank. Yeah. <laughs> they already got their money, and now I'm fighting with the fucking bank. Also, stop calling me and asking for more money unless you put my fucking name on a building. I should at least get to have my name on the dorm room that I masturbated in for three years. I just want that tiny plaque on the door <laughs> next to it, the Matt Bellisai room. <laughs> that can't be that much. That's a great idea for them. Right. They should pay you for that. I had a dingle, which was a double single. <laughs> no. <laughs> the like, is, like, everybody, let's go hang out in Matt Stingle. Um, also, yeah, money is made up anyway. So why don't we just pretend like I paid you? If we both believe that I paid you, then I did. Just start sending Monopoly money. Yeah. It's, it's like Tinkerbell. Everybody just clap loud enough so that you believe... That you're rich. I also, my hottest budgeting tip is that uh, when I've started to compare two items, one of which is more expensive, I've started convincing myself that the real cost of the item is just the difference in price. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but it's not a good way to budget. Because <laughs> it's like, well, I'm already at least spending 
as much as the cheaper item. So that is that is going to come out of my account no matter what. So the real uh-huh, cost, uh-huh. the real thing that's costing me is just the difference. Right. And that's how I convince myself to always buy the more expensive item. <laughs> <laughs> hot tip. Hot tip for listeners out there. I just don't. I feel like I'm one of the susceptible people. Like I was talking to my mom the other day when I was at the Duane Reed and I was buying allergy medicine because I missed one day and it fucked me the fuck up. Oh, God. I, yeah, my system is trash. <laughs> There's no, I missed like one one allergy pill, which I take every day year round. So my system is wholly dependent on having that fucking pill. And um, I bought like one of the over-the-counter bottles of like name brand allergy things. And it was like 40 bucks. And my mom was like, I buy like a tub of those from Sam's Club for like five dollars and it's like 400 pills (laughs) but i'm like i don't trust that even though i think it's literally the same thing Uh uh-huh it is i'm one of those people who's like i believe i believe the name brand i believe in the brand and i know hashtag believe in the brand everyone is probably shocked to hear that because i seem like i like a thrifty kind of guy like i'll yeah no you love a a deal Those are all the budgeting things I have to talk about. It should go without saying that I am absolutely no expert in money. So if anything here came off as advice in any way, do the opposite. Because you will get fucked. And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. We got Gabby done in the studio after this commercial break. Get your thumb ready to hit that subscribe button because I'm about to tell you about a really great podcast. It's called First Day Back, and it's all about people coming back from the hardest experiences of their lives. Last season was all about Lucy and her life after serving a prison sentence for shooting her own husband. It was intense and well-researched and well-made. It's got rave reviews from places like The Guardian. and The Guardian's never said anything about this show, so you know first day back was good. Their newest season features documentarian Tally Abacassis telling you all about the story of a comedian who died on stage and what happened next. Is that my personal nightmare? Yes. Does that make me want to listen to this next season? Yes. Go find First Day Back in your podcast app right now. Give it a listen and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. If there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp Online Counseling can help. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, and more. You can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment and get help at your own time and at your own pace. Anything you share is confidential and it's so convenient you can schedule secure video or phone sessions as well as chat and text with your therapist. Tis truly a dream. Let's say you're not happy with your counselor. Well, guess what? You can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Unhappy Hour listeners even get 10% off your first month with the discount code UNHAPPY. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com unhappy. Then you just need to fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com unhappy. My guest complainer today is Gabby Dunn. Gabby is a writer, journalist, comedian, filmmaker, LGBTQ activist, vlogger, just every every descriptor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she hosts the podcast Bad With Money and her new book, Bad With Money, The Imperfect Art of Getting Your Financial Shit Together is out now. Gabby, congratulations and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. I'm honored to be invited. <laughs> I know we were saying like, I feel like our Paths have have crossed, but yeah. we've never like truly sat down together. Yeah, so. I'm sure we had similar grievances and similar like <laughs> Some stresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> no, yeah. Well, I guess before we get into everything, we we start off getting our complaining juices flowing by asking everybody, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Well, okay. So I was trying to, I, there were so many pop culture things. <laughs> so many. Huge, we could go through all of them. List. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me start with one that's not pop culture. I hate coconut. I hate coconut. Uh-huh. I hate coconut water. I hate coconut macaroons. Don't put coconut on a cake. It's terrible. Is there any one item that like sparked the hatred or tipped you over Just the like edge? Coconut flakes on things? Like shredded coconut? Shredded coconut is wax paper. I'm sorry, <laughs> but you are eating wax paper. It, it is does not have a good. really horrible texture. I can't I don't understand. But it looks nice. And it creates that weird, like, squeaky crunch. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I Why? know exactly what you're talking about. It's so bad. I feel like I'm one of the few people who enjoys, a, like, an Almond Joy. Is that coconut? Yeah. No, get it away from me. It's what? Like, it's, like, it's like coconut wrapped in chocolate with an almond on top. No. But I like it. You're wrong. I probably am. <laughs> it's very bad. And then people think it's like a delicacy. So every time someone, Matt, every time someone goes to offer me something, they like do this uptick in their voice. Like, it's coconut. And I'm like, no, no, that is not the correct I hope tone. one of these is not coconut flavored it's LaCroix. It's not. I have so many LaCroix here. No, lime and pamplemousse. Okay, good, good. I was worried. Yeah, you guys <laughs> offer like, me. Oh, no. And I know the coconut one is white and yellow and brown. And so I can know what see to avoid. it on sight. I know. Well, I hope you never get like stranded on an island. <laughs> and that's the only thing you have to eat. I know. What would I do? I even like, I saw just saw a TV show where they were like, oh, the lap of luxury drinking out of a coconut. And I was like, am I in a matrix? Why does everyone like this? There's something exotic about like that as a as a receptacle, a drink receptacle. You don't oh. have to drink the coconut. I do feel like I'm always in the weird position when people complain about something that like then I have to defend it. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't really feel that strongly about coconuts. Well, have you had anyone on where you're like, oh my God, thank you for saying that. I agree. You are so brave. I feel like I'm such a people pleaser <laughs> that most people who listen to this show are probably like, yeah, you just agree with everybody. No, you fought me though. So congratulations. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'll defend the almond joys and I'll defend, I won't defend coconut water. Mm-hmm. I used to use it as like my sobering up like drink. Got it. You ever um, heard of Gatorade? Right. There's also that. <laughs> Pretty good. Also like Pedialyte now has just fully shifted to we're for college students. I know. Not even for babies. It got given to me by a nurse when I was hungover. Yeah. At a, uh, at a queer summer camp that I go to. My life's fine. <laughs> um, but I was very hungover and uh, this nurse was like, drink this Pedialyte. And I remember from a ki- like being a kid getting given Pedialyte, right. and I was like, "What an amazing rebrand! <laughs> no. This is the best idea." It's like they've one ever step had. below. This is this is a very LA thing. I feel as a New Yorker, as someone who does not live in LA. Okay. Um, of when people go and get like IVs, yes, to like recover from a yes. hangover. What I don't understand. Okay, that. I did it one time, <laughs> and okay. I did it to not get a cold. Yeah, so it's defense. Yeah. Well, everything that I do is with the hopes that I will become immortal. Right. It's never going to happen. But like every time I work out, like and I like I'll work out like once and then I'll go, "Well, I'm glad I'm immortal after that." <laughs> and then my my I have a trainer, I'm in LA, and the trainer was like, "Um, no, no. Well, you know you have to like come back tomorrow." And right. I was like, "No, I don't think so. I think I'm immortal." <laughs> and he was like, "No, this isn't like a thing that ends." And I was like, Ugh. Yeah. And then if I drink a gr- I have this thing that I used to do on my Instagram called $9 juice where mm-hmm. I would buy a $9 juice and then drink it and give it a review. And I would always go, well, I hope this makes me immortal because it was $9. <laughs> like, I just want. So that's the thing that I would think is like, I hope this makes me immortal. Right. Yeah. So the drip didn't make me immortal. I guess not. Well, we, you never know. You're right. I haven't tested it. Right. Right. <laughs> only time will truly tell. That's true. Yeah. I know. I'm the same way where I'm like, I'll go to the gym for 20 minutes once a week mm-hmm. and be like, now I can eat whatever I want. Yeah. It's basically where are my free. results? <laughs> yeah. I just immediately cancel out any gains that I've exactly. made. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to call them gains. That's the only. I can't. 
<laughs> Let's get into um, your book, right? So, okay. Bad With Money. The podcast came first, obviously, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And then the book is sort of an extension of that. Tell me about, like, the origin of each. Yeah, the podcast came from an article that I wrote. It did come from that. Mm-hmm. I was talking with, I was like, I I feel like the article predated it. Yes. So, yeah, tell, this... tell the people about the article. I wrote this article called Get Rich or Die Vlogging. Um, which was about how you can be very visible on the internet mm-hmm. uh, and have no money. I'm sure you don't know anything about that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I was born wealthy. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 but, no. So you're very famous, quote unquote, online, but you're not making any money off of what you're doing. Right. And uh, perhaps you work for a company that doesn't want to pay you or compensate <laughs> you for the work that you're doing. Um, and so I talked to a bunch of friends of mine who were famous, quote unquote, YouTubers, but had day jobs that no one knew about. Um, I talked to our old BuzzFeed colleague, Brittany Ashley, mm-hmm. about how she had to work as a waitress at the BuzzFeed Golden Globes party, even though she was one of the top people on BuzzFeed. Right, right. So that article sparked a lot of interest and controversy um, because I just was tired of the the lack of transparency. And I was tired of everybody pretending like we were OK when I knew friends of mine were like, some people were getting paid X amount for their brand deals and other people were getting paid way less and getting screwed. And like just how the fans seem to have no concept of mm-hmm. like they thought we were millionaires. I had a, I remember one exchange I had with a, a commenter where they were like, I said, how do you think I make money? And they said, YouTube cuts you a check every month. And I said, oh, my God, you think I'm a YouTuber. So I'm an employee of YouTube. <laughs> You think Google writes me a check like a salary? Yeah. And I was like, they're so off base. I have to write something. Yeah. So I wrote this. And then a lot of fans were even like, wow, I had no idea that you guys weren't all millionaires. Because the top people are millionaires and they show that. Right, right. Then I started the podcast as an extension of that because I I really thought, like I wanted to do a podcast. I really thought I was going to do something about queer issues or Mm -hmm. something like that that I usually talk about. Um, But I was like, actually... Money is really weighing on me, and I think we should do a show about that. Yeah. And so that's what caused Bad With Money to start. And it just started with me sort of season one looking into financial issues mm-hmm. and being like, okay, what is a stock? What is it? How do you fill out a check? What is this stuff? What is a bank account? <laughs> right. Uh, stuff that I think other people would have been scared to seem stupid. But I was like, I already people already think I'm, I've said so much stuff on the internet. You know what I mean? Like, what am I going to do? Ruin my reputation more? Um, once I learned a lot, then it became, it's a very, it's, it's character growth. It's character arc because yeah. I start very like naive. And then by seasons two and three, I'm like a full socialist. Like we have to live in the woods. Like I've <laughs> lost my mind. Um, so it's a kind of a fun trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I always say season one is finances and feelings, and season three is, I think we should burn down the banks. Right, right. <laughs> I know. I really, I, I need to like go back and listen to every episode, because I, I feel like I truly don't know what I'm doing. Nobody I, does. No, no, that's the thing. But we judge each other, and we go, we act like it's an intellectual failing. Like, yeah. oh, you don't know this? You're an idiot. <laughs> right. And we love to do that. I mean, the other thing is like so many people who are our age, even if you're not trying to become a YouTuber mm-hmm. in that space, you're still participating. A lot of people are still participating in like the gig economy. Yes. And so huge. you're maybe only not, growing. Yeah. You're not paying like taxes in the same way mm-hmm. as someone with a full time job. And mm-hmm. that's just like the first year I had to do that. I was like, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now. I took an accordion folder full of receipts to an H&R block and dumped <laughs> it on this lady's desk yeah. and went, help me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I truly that. That scene in like Broad City where they're just mm-hmm. like dump, dump everything, and then he yells at them. And yep. Who yells anyway? I, my favorite quote. Yeah, but also then it it's like not a, a straight line to okay, how do I do my taxes? How do I make sure that I know when my money's coming in so I can pay my bills? Because I had no idea. I. It, even I had a brand deal that it took them a full year to pay me. I had a magazine article I wrote where it took six months for them to pay me. Yeah. Like you don't you I would live in this idea that like, well, next week I'm going to get a check for the article I did last week. No, you won't. <laughs> you yeah. will not. I know. I I I spend money so much like based on imaginary numbers in my head and yes. not actual numbers mm-hmm. that are in my bank account. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I vaguely know what's coming to me in the next few weeks. Right. So, yeah, let's go to West Elm and just go <laughs> ham. 
<laughs> rugs, rugs, rugs. I want a TV show of you going ham in a West Elm. Please. It's like Queer Eye, but just one dude, and he's just buying stuff for an apartment. Yeah, that's what I, I've advocated for this before, but I want to be the sixth Queer Eye gay who goes in <laughs> and just undoes all of their work by like think, be, living my lifestyle yeah. at whoever they do. I think yeah. you go in and go, none of this matters because you're not getting to the root of your problem. Right. And the problem is inside, inside of you. Of you. Yeah. Well, like maybe that's Karamo's job. But anyway, oh, we side note, we had a very funny, there was like five of us hanging out and we were talking about how we were like the lesbian queer eye. And we were like, what are our things? And it was like emotions, tarot reading, <laughs> confidence. <laughs> like, uh, what was it? It was like fashion was one. Social media, confidence, tarot fashion emotions right right and then i was like no it's actually just emotions 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 tarot (laughs) (laughs) yeah the end of the episode everyone's just like hugging and crying and like yeah closer to fine plays we're all just like i knew you this would work out you're a capricorn like just that kind of thing i feel like that show should happen Thank you. Why isn't there one? I don't know. At I, this point, yeah. We need a I feel like we need a Netflix lesson, a financial lesson. Because thank you so much. I am actually pitching. No, I really am. But anyway. Uh yeah. I mean like they need to oh. understand financial decisions because they throw money at fucking everything yeah. and it's not at me. <laughs> That's my issue. <laughs> I, right. Yes. Why aren't you paying me the right. Matt Bellasai story? Yeah. Well, I, I deal a lot in, I think, like, I needed to ask my people, like, okay, when is the money coming in? And then I've become shameless. Like, I used to be, like, so nervous. Like, I would be like, tap, tap. Hey, just, like, wondering. I don't, I need to eat. But, like, it's fine. But just if you could pay me. Now I think, like... No, you have a right to ask. They should be embarrassed. Right, right. They should be embarrassed not paying you on time. Yeah. And I used to be so scared to like ask or say something. Right. And they're already not paying you. So what's the work? Like, you know what I mean? What are they going to do? Be like, I got like, I just don't think it's rude to be like, hey, man, it's been six months. I got shit like to do. I got bills to pay. Come on. Right, right. Yeah, I'd never had an accountant before. I was always like, I I don't know, my parents took it to H&R Block and I just like... Oh my God. I'm sure my parents (laughs) took my money and dumped it off the Grand Canyon, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But I, uh, when I first went out on my own, I I got an accountant Mm -hmm. through, like it was recommended to me. I hired this guy Mm -hmm. and he kind of like relegated me to one of his underlings. Sure. And who I talked to on the phone and I was like, who is this man? I've never, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know who this, I didn't talk to him. So I Googled him and it was Rihanna's accountant who she wrote Bitch Better Have My Money About and who she famously kills in the music yes, video. Yes, no, I I keep up on my Mads Mikkelsen news. Yeah, and I was like, fuck, I accidentally hired Rihanna's uh, oh a former God. accountant. And then they did... You they... can bleep it, but people will know who you mean. Like you can bleep. Well, yeah. But I like I googled his name, and all of the results were his name and then dead or missing because <gasps> like there was this like rumor that, that she had he, actually like, killed yeah, him. She's that, that like, powerful. <laughs> went into hiding after Rihanna. <laughs> anyway, he worked at the accounting firm that I hired. Wow. And then they charged me an exorbitant amount of money to do my taxes. But it's also when you do comedy in a bunch of different states, you have to pay taxes in a lot of those states. Which yeah, is everything absurd. is a full nightmare. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, I. this is the thing. I made this my full-time job mm-hmm. and I still don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> and imag- imagining someone who works in engineering, who works, you know, a retail job, who works some other job, how do they have time to do their job and figure all of this out? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, too. I mean, even more than money, there's something about, like, being on a computer screen that is, or being behind a microphone or on a stage that, like, People have been trained to think, oh, you have a certain status or a certain Used to be the case when there were four networks. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. But now, like, well, there's, there's like, full... two celebrities, and they were Judy Garland, <laughs> and, like, yeah. Yeah, there were full... I mean, there's full TV shows that I have not heard of. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, think about it. Like, sometimes you'll be like, we're on season four of this, like, show that, like, ev- people like, are, and I've literally never heard of any person <laughs> right. on it. 
So the the idea of celebrity has changed so much that it's so subjective. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the idea has changed, but the way that people look at it is still the same. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, if I saw you once on screen, I automatically assume you have all of these things that come with being on a screen. And it's just like not not necessarily true. Sarah Silverman um, was in Judd Apatow's book, Sick in the Head, had a really interesting thing where she was talking about how a lot of what she does is for free. All those viral videos that she does, they're like just in her house, like they're for free or she's losing money on them. Right. Versus like she, you know, so she was talking about the the contrast between visibility and financial stability. And then she's kept the same apartment pretty much for a long time. Like yeah. her thing was saying that even though you make more money, don't upgrade your lifestyle, right. which I have not listened to <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> at all. And my ex-boyfriend used to say that to me all the time, too. Yeah. Like, don't ever move. And I'd be like, mm, but I'm going to. Right, right. It's a, it was a bad idea. Yeah. But was it? I got a dog. So I mean, I moved from a 300 square foot apartment the size of this studio sure. to a, a 700 square foot apartment, which Ooh, is double it. Yeah. In Manhattan, it was like, all right, I guess yeah. I just like. It's what you value. Here's what I always you're a Kennedy. <laughs> Here's what I always say. It is what you value. So this like it it depends on what you want to spend money on. My girlfriend loves clothes, so she wants to buy clothes. Right. She's not gonna lit. She lives in a not so great apartment because she wants to have these clothes. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. Like I value where I live, so I want to spend money on where I live, and I don't really care yeah. about clothes. But like, I it's like this thing when I was a kid. We were driving, and my dad. We were driving. We drove past a, like a really shitty house that had, um, I mean, my neighborhood was full of them. But it, that house had a Porsche in the driveway, mm-hmm. and I said to my dad, "Wow, that's a really nice car in front of a shitty house. Why do they have a shitty house and a nice car?" And my dad was like, "Because they value cars." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, right. They live in that house so they can have this nice car because they love cars." Right. So it's like really what you value in in your heart is what you spend on. You don't have to cut. Thing you know, if you want to make cuts and and budget or whatever, you don't have to cut things that you love, right? But you have to decide what you love and then what you can do without, basically. Yeah, yeah. But don't cut. I don't like this whole thing of like get rid of everything and be live in a <laughs> hut. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I also come from like my grandma. She hoards so much stuff. Mm-hmm. So someone in my family will listen to this podcast and I'll get a talking to about this. But yeah, like she has like her bedroom is still like stacked with Beanie Babies. Like oh. that is an investment. Got it. Yeah. And so like the idea of throwing stuff away was always like instilled in us mm-hmm. of, as like bad Mm-hmm. You don't do that. You hang on to everything. Well, that's like your money in the book. I talk about like your money lessons are taken from your family. Yeah. And uh, you just believe, you know, whatever. Right. They, you, like you internalize it so much that it's hard to untangle. It's hard to like take the emotion out of it or become, you know, like uh, my dad lost his job when I was younger. And then we moved from a bigger house to a smaller house. And so maybe that's why I like having a larger house. I don't know. But yeah. like there's things that it's very like psychological and you have to like therapize yourself about it. <laughs> yeah. In the book, the comedian Sarah Schaefer talks about how when she was younger, her if she was upset, her parents would bring her to the drugstore and buy her a pound puppy, like right. a doll. And then so now she shops when she feels sad because it's just mentally a pound puppy. Yeah. So like I'm sure that's relatable to a lot of people. Like you have it just gets ingrained in you so young. Right. Right. So is the book like what is the format of the book? How is it different than the podcast? Like what? Mm-hmm. How is it an iteration of the podcast? The the podcast is focuses a lot on I mean, it was like the first season was long form conversations. And then the second season, we sort of tackled topics. I mean, the book, it's funny because I didn't know this was a genre financial memoir. Uh, Yeah. Um, So it's about my own mistakes and, and history. But then it's also got like, here's what I learned. Here's how you do a retirement. Here's what taxes are. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a lot of stuff that I took a year to research. So it's sort of like, hey, I did this so you don't have to basically save a year of your life. But I I think a lot of finance media comes from a place of very aspirational. Mm-hmm. You can do this and you can be like me. And I'm writing from a place of I am you. Right. It's f- messed up. Shit's fucked. <laughs> Here's some, you know, here's what I found. Yeah. And there's a a way more. I mean, the the podcast has this, too, but the book is very social justice oriented. I'm queer. I come from a like I'm very hard left. Like, so I'm not going to talk about things without 
mentioning the history. I think a lot of times there's blanket advice. Right. And you can't give blanket advice when, I mean, I, these are examples, but have you ever seen a retirement commercial with a queer couple in it? No. And I've talked to people about it. They do not market retirement to LGBTQ couples. Right. Or, you know, women weren't allowed to get credit cards without their husband's signatures till the 70s. Black people were redlined. And so they couldn't get loans and mortgages at the same rates that white people could. So there is this history. So I always felt like it was really tone deaf to come at everybody and Mm -hmm. say, well, by X age, you should have this. Right. And it's like you don't know what people's I mean I think there's more of us than there are of the people who can do that right yeah so why do we only talk to the people that can do that Mm -hmm. I don't have all I don't have any answers I don't have all the solutions there's suggestions but it's I hope it takes away it, it takes away people's shame around the topic because it is certainly not all your fault right yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is true. I mean, like, so even the, even the targeted audiences for some of those things, I'm like, you really fucking expect people to have, like, this much money saved by the time they're 30? Outrageous for anybody. It just doesn't take into account the reality of the world around us. Right. And the diversity of the people around us. I mean, in multiple states, you can you can get married to your partner, but you can still get fired if you put a picture of them on your desk or mm-hmm. like. There's a low life expectancy for trans women, trans women of color. Like mm-hmm. there's just all these things. Disabled people are not allowed to save more than two thousand uh, dollars total before their benefits are cut. There's just all these things like the even like the stigmatized way we view welfare or we view, you know, EBT cards and stuff like that. Food mm-hmm. stamps like all of this stuff. Like so there's this idea in America of like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But then we judge everyone. Right. Or we don't take into account that someone's circumstances might be different. Right, right. If I could do it, why couldn't you do it? Mm-hmm. If I can work, why can't you work? I don't know. You're a different person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One rule does not fit all. No, but financial advice is very one size fits all. Right, right. I'm curious, like, was there a time when you decided consciously to kind of be more open or is it just kind of something that came more naturally as as your kind of career grew about like, I'm just going to be transparent about the things that happen in my life? I wonder if you feel this way. I wish I had monetized my coming out. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh. I, every time there's a new like young person, I sound like an old man. <laughs> but every time there's some celebrity who has like a coming out, like big splashy moment, I'm like, fuck me. I could have right? totally waited. Yeah. But why I was I didn't even it didn't even occur to me. I just was like came from I just came out like as soon as I started making stuff. I was like out. Um, And now I'm like, oh, my God, I could have just made so much (laughs) money off of this. Um, I think if I'm thinking about something, I assume other people are worried about it, too. Yeah. So that's what I mean, with the LGBTQ stuff, I was like, okay. I have the privilege in the sense that my family knows and loves me. I don't care what anyone else thinks. Don't be my friend if you don't like it. Nobody, I'm not going to lose my job. There's little to no consequences to me coming out. So I should do it. Yeah. And I was also with the breast reduction thing. I was like, this isn't, this is not a secret from anyone in my life. This isn't going to affect me at all. My boss isn't going to be like that. I don't want to know that. Whatever. I don't have a boss. Right. Other than probably Allison. But, and then uh, my writing partner. So then with the money stuff, it was the same thing. I was like, everyone's going to love me still. Like, this is kind of how I weigh if I should talk about something. I'm like, everyone's going to love me still. Nothing matters. The people that are mad about it, I don't, do I care what they think? No. A lot of times if there's backlash to something, but it's from people who I think are wrong, I'm like, then I don't care. Yeah. But if there's backlash to something that I agree with them, then I go, oh, okay, let me sit and reflect on this and think about it. Right. So with the money stuff, I was like, I don't care what anyone says. I think I'm doing the right thing. Uh, no one's going to disown me and my family. And I I think that if I have the privilege to do it, I'm not going to get fired. So if I have the privilege to do it, I should do it for the people that can't, that, that those three things don't apply to them. Right. Yeah. Were you out when you like started making content or no, you, did you already have like a following and then you came out? No. I mean, I had written for Thought Catalog. Yeah. So I had just been writing every day on this website for yeah. a year. And I had had my own blog that people had liked and and then I had done some stand up. And so I had like some fans loosely. I I don't think I was screaming it from the rooftops online, but I wrote about women and I wrote about men. And I was like, Mm -hmm. 
I don't I don't think anybody's confused. Right. Um, but then I I don't know. I I never it never occurred to me to to not talk about it. The first episodes of JBU, it was very are just between us, our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I think I was just like I don't know. I'm by like honestly, like I should have handled it in a more media savvy <laughs> way in which I made money, but I just didn't. It didn't occur to me because it was such a big part of me yeah. that I was like, "How am I gonna not?" I it doesn't sound so like cunning. I know there are. It? I mean, there are people who like don't have that option. I know, but I, I know. I was like, you know what? I'll I'll come out of something else one day. I had to <laughs> <We'll> see <laughs> just a furry, just a full furry. <sighs> no. I, I I'll I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I also had a real rude awakening where I was like, well, you know, I could have. I could have stayed in and like monetized it because I don't seem gay. And then like my, a couple of friends were like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't. And they were like, okay. Well, we're running out of time, mm-hmm. but let me transition to a game. Okay. In quotes, I'm calling it that we like to call elaborate. I, we went through some of your tweets and found things that you've said you've hated. Oh my God, this is amazing. And I want you to elaborate yes. on them. I can't even wait. Sometimes I go through my old tweets. I'm like, who wrote that? Well, one that I'm legally obligated to ask you about is from 2015. You said, God damn it, I came on here to talk about Harry Styles' androgyny and somehow still ended up in a fight about feminism for fuck's sake. Oh, that seems exact. It, it almost is like you t- you did a Twitter generator of like what I <laughs> do. You know what I mean? Like that sounds like a parody of myself. Right, right. Came to fight. Uh, ended up yelling about feminism. Yeah. All of the greats. Um. Yeah. Well, I have a bunch of male celebrities that my girlfriend calls my sons, uh-huh. which are just men that I like really talk about as if they are my sons, sure, and I'm sure. proud of them. Right. Um. So Harry Styles is one. Love it. And uh, and also my girlfriend designs menswear. So he wears a lot of really cool outfits. So he she's does. like, he can be my son as well. And so. Co-chairing the Met Gala this year. Is he really? I'm so, yeah. I'm so behind. I'm so behind. Yeah. So I, I just, um, I like him. I like what he's up to. Mm-hmm. I think he does a really cool thing with his clothes. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how that led to a fight about feminism. <laughs> I, I am can, curious. I think I probably said something like, it's great that he dresses femininely. And then some men jumped on me to be like, <laughs> "Go, like, how dare you make men emasculated or something like that. Right, right. Okay, some of the hate, hate things. So a little about me. I love pina coladas and I hate scrubs. Wait, pina coladas? I don't love pina coladas. Was I making a joke? Maybe. <laughs> Did I mean the TV show Scrubs? Who knows? What did I mean? <laughs> did you did you gen- do an auto generator? No, this is. I mean, I didn't. I didn't personally find this tweet. Um, someone else did, but I have apparently no idea what it. I meant by that. This is one about what your cat hates. Mm. My cat, after a year of hating water, suddenly jumps in the shower with me when I'm in there. Is this normal? The fuck is going on with her? Interesting. My parents stole that cat from me, which is a story for another day. But she lives <laughs> oh, no. with my parents now. It's fine. I got okay. a dog. She lives with my parents now. Uh, she would, I mean, she would cry. Like if I got in the shower, she would sit by the shower and yeah. be upset that I was in the shower. I think because they like having their scent on you. Right. And in her mind, I'm washing it off. And so then she has to start from zero. Mm-hmm. And so she would get annoyed about that. Right. So I think I think one day she's just like, I'm over it. And she jumped in. This was from 2014. I just I hate art so much. <laughs> I know what that was about. <laughs> Punches Monet painting. There, there was more to that. Oh, really? Yeah. I kind of think I know what that was about. I had a boyfriend at the time who loved the modern art. Sure. Like that stuff that's like a box, a red box, and you're supposed to be like, wow, amazing. Right, right. Um, And so he would drag me to these things, these modern art things, and it would just be a blue square or whatever. Or right. it would just be like, oh, they put one black dot on the on the canvas. Wow. Right. And he would be like, amazing. And I was, and I, we got in an argument because I was like, anyone could do that. 
And he was like, yeah, but this person did. <laughs> right. That's... And then I dated that fucking guy. <laughs> so I think I was just at my wit's end. Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people who in conversation will always be like, I live in New York, but I've never taken advantage of the museums as if like I'm going to go one day. Mm-hmm. But like, let's face it, I'm really not. Like Some of I like. I'm, some of them I maybe. like the, the Impressionist. Natural History Museum. I like. So for art, I like the Impressionist. Yeah, yeah. I just don't Except like modern Monet. art. I guess maybe I should give it another shot because that guy was so pretentious that I was just like ready to punch paintings. <laughs> he turned you off from it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, this one, we'll, we'll end on this one. Um, This isn't a hate tweet, oh. but it starts, this is from 2015. Straight men, if y'all want to do gay shit to each other, just do it. You don't need to, elaborate rituals like frats or improv. I stand by that. I think about that every day. I think about that every day. Some of the most haunting images that I've seen in my life yeah. have been both gay and in a frat. Yeah. And it's like, come on. I think there's so much aggression because men are told not to touch each other. So then there's like, they invented football. Like, I think it's like so weird. Like, it just, I was doing improv at the time and there were so many scenes where men would engineer ways to kiss each other. And I'd be like, just kiss. Who right. Stop <laughs> pretending you're Jessica Rabbit or something in a scene, you weirdos. Before we let you go, where can people find you on the internet, in the world? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram at Gabby Road, G-A-B-Y-R-O-A-D, which is a Beatles pun that I'm so sorry about. Um, and then uh, Twitter at Gabby Dunn. Um, you can find my hate tweets. And uh, the book is called Bad With Money, The Imperfect Art of Getting Your Financial Shit Together. And you can get it wherever books are sold, Amazon, IndieBound, Barnes & Noble, whatever. And I did the audiobook. I read the audiobook. Nice. And it took me four days. So please buy it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. What a delight. And we'll talk again soon. Bye. Bye. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad stuff go down, starting with the shit that we're watching this week. Barry, what are you watching? I watched all of you, which you recommended. Me? or just Yes, I watched you every single day. Um, yeah, I watched you. I was in L.A. last week, and uh, that's all I did was watch that TV show. I loved it because it was like a lot of fun to watch with my friend throughout the whole week. But... Uh, I didn't it wasn't as ridiculous and like cheeky as I wanted it to be. Like Riverdale is way more campy and you isn't necessarily campy. Right. But I loved the Dexter vibes. I loved Dexter when it was on and uh you know, it was fun. Yeah. I mean it's ri- it's ridiculous, but yeah. But it's-, it's rooted it roots itself in reality right. in a way that I couldn't buy. That's what I mean. So like Riverdale is kind of a similar tone in some ways but it's not rooted in reality you know that this is a made-up world right right whereas you try so hard to be like like, this could be you (laughs) but everything else about it is so insane that i don't buy into it but pen badgley is incredible and i keep going back and forth between whether i am attracted to him or not because he terrifies me which is the point right but I guess the point is also that he's hot. But yeah, so I was watching you, and I'm still watching True Detective. And uh, yeah, what are you watching? Well, speaking of Penn Badgley, I have started watching Gossip Girl for the first time. I've never seen it either. Yeah, I we had a full conversation where I fully thought that you had seen it, and now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> nope. So whatever. No, I, I've only watched a couple episodes, and they're ridiculous, but I'm invested I really had never seen anything with Blake Lively in it until A Simple Favor, which I was not like a huge fan of. I, I didn't see that. But um, it's it's interesting to see the foundation of Blake Lively. Also, I identify as a rich socialite high schooler on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. So it's perfect. Fantastic. What's your non-TV chaser? My non-TV chaser is a video that I shared with you and that I want to share with everybody listening to this podcast. Listen, I don't really give a shit about Henry Cavill. I don't really care about him. <laughs> I get that he's hot, but honestly, I just think he looks like Dr. Evan Anton, but isn't a vet. So, Do I... people know who Dr. Evan Anton is? <laughs> Probably not. He's just a hot vet on Instagram. <laughs> he does have like a million followers at least. Yeah. Anyway, Henry Cavill has a dog named Cal. And he has a lot of Instagram posts about this dog. And 
a lot of videos and there's one video in particular that every time I watch it with the sound on it just blows me away it's just absolutely beautiful I don't know why he posted it it sounds like he's gonna kill someone (laughs) or get a tattoo of his dog or I don't really know but that video just brings me a lot of joy he's made me a better person I say that quite happily I make a point of saying that he's not my son there's a trust between us because we've earned it. We've both worked at it. And it's not always been the easiest thing, but it is possibly one of the most rewarding things of my life. And I wouldn't change any of the challenges. I remember you sent that to me and I watched it while I was on the sidewalk walking and I didn't have the sound on. And I was like, oh, it's a cute dog running around. Then I got home and played the sound and it, he it's just like so dramatically narrated and scored and scored. It's like it's as if he's about to send his dog to space. <laughs> and this is like the send-off video. I love it so much. It's the only way to describe it. It is a work of art. And what about you? What what's your chaser for the week? My non-TV chaser this week is just for going to therapy. I I don't know if I've ever like explicitly talked about it. I feel like I reference going to therapy a bunch. Yeah. But yeah, I started going in New York just because I was like, oh, everybody is in New York goes. And the therapist was like, why are you here? And I was like, I live in New York. <laughs> Isn't that enough? Um, I don't know if there's as much of a stigma anymore. I think the assumption is like you go because there's something wrong and they're, they have to fix you. And it's like, I think it's just helpful to have someone who is totally unbiased even though i think now i've gotten comfortable enough with my therapist that like she feels like it's okay to judge me <laughs> like she actually face palmed at something i said this week wow. and i was like you're not supposed to do that <laughs> and i was like please don't judge me but i know you're judging me <laughs> anyway shout out to therapy if you've been thinking about it you should do it Thanks for listening to One Happy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us, review us, but only if it's nice. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Bellisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our editors are Dina Kleiner and Josh Gwynn. Music by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at FinkelBarryPie, and you can worship me at Matt Bellisai, and you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. <gasps> uh, bye-bye. Danny boy, the lights, the lights, oh. I don't know the rest. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. For whatever struggles you're facing, from depression and anxiety to trauma and grief, BetterHelp can connect you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient you can schedule secure video or phone sessions, as well as chat and text with your therapist, and anything you share is completely confidential. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Unhappy Hour listeners even get 10% off your first month with the discount code UNHAPPY, so why not get started? Head to BetterHelp.com unhappy and fill out a questionnaire to get matched with a counselor you'll love today.